welcome to the Glow Podcast with Dr. Lan. Our purpose is to inspire and equip you to live a purposeful and maximized life that makes a glowing difference in your world to God's glory. For more inspiring content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now let's listen in and be inspired. Uh, so, you know, today, uh, today's message um, is predicated on, you know, a lot of things that have been going on, you know, in our world right now. It's like so many things coming at people at the same time. So we had the pandemic, you know, that started, and then we had a shutdown, you know, that came as a result of the pandemic and all the testing, discomfort, and some of the, some of the realities of those discomfort and, you know, a lot of things happening, you know, regarding or as a result of this pandemic. We have people who have lost loved ones. We have people, you know, who have lost their jobs, their means of livelihood and so on. So that's, you know, some suffering trouble on one side. And then we, we have some of the other things that are coming up, like this week, you know, we have the Floyd issue and, you know, that's just... Like, that just brought some more pain and just compounded, you know, what was going on. And a lot of people were reaching out and like, oh, you know, what's, you know, what, what do we, how do we even deal with this? How do we even respond to this? What, what do you say at this time? What do you say? You know, there's so much, just so much pain. So several things coming, and that's just a few of those things that are happening right now. There are various realities in different nations, various realities in the lives of people who are watching this right now. And, you know, just thinking about it this week, I was so grateful to God that um, the book that we began to study at the beginning of this month, the book of Second Corinthians, um, is actually very, very uh, practical, applicable, relevant to what is going on right now. Um, you know, we started a series at the beginning of the month that we call Virtual Realities. We said we're going to discuss the realities of this virtual world that we're in, and then we're going to find out how we're supposed to respond to these realities with God's own realities. We talked about the fact that Second Corinthians was the most personal letter of Paul. He wrote many letters dealing with other people's drama, but in Second Corinthians, it, deals, it, it talks about some personal drama that he was going through with the church in Corinth. And so he waxed very personal. He talked about his own, his own pains. And then, most importantly, he shows us how one can stand and how one can act in the midst of troubled times, in troubled times, in troubling times, how you can respond to trouble, how you can respond to pressure, how we can respond to constraints. So the book is very, very appropriate, relevant for what is going on right now because, you know, just as I described earlier, there's a lot of things going on right now, a lot of constraints, a lot of pressure upon people, a lot of things that, you know, things that are happening within us, things that are happening within the home, uh, things that are happening outside, uh, things that are coming from work, things that are coming from government, things that are coming from society, things that are coming from everywhere, pressurizing us and you know, trying to get us depressed. You know, we had a funeral, you know, this week, you know, you know, and, you know, it was part of some of the things that, you know, even, 
you know, solidify this message, you know, that I'm about to preach today. Just how, you know, seeing how the mother of the person that, you know, that, you know, that was being buried, the way she responded under pressure and, you know, forgave the person that shot the son and, you know, and all that. You know, I just, just like, Lord, you know, I just, today, you know, I want, I want you to just, you know, speak to us on how we can handle troubling times. So today I want to speak on a message that I titled, The We Attitudes, Responding Appropriately in Troubling Times. The We Attitudes, Responding Appropriately in Troubling Times. So, you know, we have the Be Attitudes, you know, which is when Jesus was talking about, um, you know, Blessed are those who are like this, blessed are these, blessed are the poor in spring and, and all that. We call that the Beatitudes. But I just thought that, wow, in the book of Second Corinthians, Paul made certain statements which he prefaced with the word we. We. So in teaching us how to respond to situations, how to respond to troubling times, Paul was giving us an example of how he responded you know, to troubling times and just showing us how we can respond appropriately when, it, when we face confusing times and troubling times. So I call these we's, um, we attitudes. Now, I'm not going to go through all the we's in Second Corinthians, but there are a few one, you know, a few of them, uh, about seven of them that I want to go through today that I believe will speak to you about how we can handle some of all these things that are coming, coming at us at this time. So let's get into the word of God and just, you know, just dig into it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to present your word to your people today. I thank you, Lord, because as your word goes forth, I am anointed to declare it clearly, uh, precisely, the way I ought to do it, and with power, with the demonstration of your spirit and of your power, so that the faith of your people will not stand in the wisdom of a man, but in the very power of God. I pray for everybody listening to me right now, for Lord, to receive what you have for them. Let these words that will comfort, Lord, minister to everyone. Lord, speak to the hearts of your people. Lift up the hearts of your people. If there's anybody who is discouraged, Lord, lift them up. Encourage them. Anybody who is confused, dissolve their doubts, Father. Anybody, Lord, who is looking for answer, Lord, answer their question. Those who are looking for healing, let there be a flow of your healing power. Let there be a flow of salvation, a flow of the power of the Holy Spirit to fill people with your presence. And in all in all, Lord, let all the glory go to you in the precious name of Jesus. So, we attitudes. How do we respond in the time of pressure? How do we respond to troubling times? How do we respond to pressure. Let's look at some of this attitude from what Paul says. So the first statement of Paul um, in 2 Corinthians is um, illustrates this we attitude. Number one, we share our frustrations. We attitude number one, we share our, frustra- our frustrations. We share our frustrations. I've been saying this since the beginning of this month uh, that there is a certain strain of belief among some people that when you are a faith person or when you are, you know, you believe God, that you can't really talk about what is going on, that you always have to suppress what is going on, or you know, you surrender to what is going on. Those are two extremes. So you don't surrender to what is going on, 
but you don't suppress what is going on. The Bible gives us a lot of examples and gives us a lot of instructions that when we go through trouble, trouble, trouble times or troubling times, one of the things that we can use, one of the ways that we can deal with those, with those troubled times is actually to open up and talk about what is going on. What you bottle up you know, inside of you can eventually poison you. What you bottle up inside of you can eventually make you do certain things that you don't really want to do. Because if you don't express those things in words, you'll find yourself expressing them in other ways. Either you express them, you know, by bitterness, or you express them by retaliation, or you express them, you know, by, you know, by other means. So the first thing is we share our frustrations. We attitude, we share our frustrations. We don't suppress them. And at the same time, we don't surrender to them. We share our frustrations. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 to 9, Paul says, said something. You know, he says, why I'm writing this letter? One of the reasons why I'm writing this letter, he said, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure and we thought we will never live through it. We thought we will never live through it. Look at that. Uh, let's go back to that. You know, he said, well, he said we. So a lot of we's in there. That's why I call it we attitude. We think you ought to know, dear brothers. A translation says we don't want you to be uninformed about the troubles we experienced. So Paul was saying, you know, one of the reasons why I'm writing this letter from the very beginning of this letter, Corinthians, everyone, I want you to know that I went through certain stuff. I want you to know that this work of the ministry, what I'm experiencing right now, my relationship with you, my realities, there have been some frustrations that have come as a result of it. So Paul was not hiding his, you know, his frustration. He said, I was crushed. So sometimes, you know, for example, some of the news that we heard this week crushed some of our spirits. Like, we're just crushed. Sometimes, you know, some people were overwhelmed, just overwhelmed. Like, you know, why is this happening? What is going to happen to us? What's going to happen to our children? What's going to happen? You know, like, we, we can feel that way. We can feel that way. And listen, we can talk about the fact that we feel that way. If it helps you to talk about it, if it helps you, to write something about, about it, if it helps you to, you know, to do that, then there is nothing in scriptures that says you shouldn't do it. As long as you do not surrender to that frustration, you also don't have to suppress the frustration. You know, many people right now, they get their motivation, example, and encouragement from the book of the Psalms. But you know what the book of the Psalms were? The book of the Psalms and book of Lamentation and some of these books that we read in the Bible, they were people who were going through serious, troubling, confusing times. They were going through situations that they couldn't find easy explanation and they decided, you know what, I'm going to talk about it, I'm going to write about it. So you will see in the Psalms where people, where you see raw emotions in the book of the Psalms. Lord, why is this happening? Lord, why is this happening in our world? Why, you know, you see them asking questions. You see them lamenting before God. Talking about, you know, the evil that is in the world. Things that are going on in the world. They go before God and they express these things to God. They ex I'll tell you some other things that they do afterward. But the first, first thing is that they express it to God. And God, God is okay 
with that. When we express those things, but we don't allow those things to overwhelm us. We don't allow them to, uh, to you know, to, we don't surrender to those things. That you can express these things in prayer. You can, but Paul, uh, Paul says, be, be anxious for nothing. Nothing means nothing. He said, be anxious for nothing. So we shouldn't even be anxious about what is happening in the world. We shouldn't be anxious about the future of our children. We shouldn't be anxious about anything. He said, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God with thanksgiving. So Paul says, you can go to God with your pressures. You can go to God with what is going on. You can talk to God. And then it tells us what we need to do afterwards, which we're going to get to as we move on with this we attitude. So I just want to tell you that there's nothing wrong in you keeping it real. There's nothing wrong in you keeping it raw. You know, as long as you stay within the parameters, in a sense of love and of honor and all this kind of stuff that we talked about, you know, and I'm going to explain that further, you picking up a call or talking to somebody or, or venting or expressing your frustration, there is nothing you know, wrong with that, it is not against your faith for you to do that, for you to express to God that you don't understand the meaning of things or, you know, like you, you feel certain things that, you know, just cause, they're causing you to become concerned and all that. Paul did it so many ways. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter, again, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 from verse 8 to 9. He's saying the same, he's doing exactly the same. He said, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed but not driven to this way. Say, listen, I'm acknowledging it. I am pressed on every side. It's coming from all directions by troubles. But you know what? I'm not surrendering to those troubles. I'm not crushed. I'm not crushed. I'm perplexed by what is going on. But you know what? I'm not driven to despair. And I will show you why he's not driven, driven to despair as we move on. In another place, in 2 Corinthians 4, 11 to 12, you know, it says, we live on that constant danger of death. You know, some people have been asking me, like, oh, you know, what's going to happen to my kids? What's going to, you know, we had, you know, some of those discussions. Paul said, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. Just because of who he was. Not because of what he has done or what, just because he serves Jesus. Just because of who he was. You know, sometimes, you know, just because of who you are, just because of the color of your skin and all that. You know, some people, you know, they are, you know, it's like, it's not supposed to be that way. It is not, that's not the way God wants it to be. But we need to be real about the realities. Just because of the color of our skin, just because of you know who we are, there are certain things that we that you know we are exposed to that ought not to be. And we're going to talk about how to address that. But you just need to acknowledge the reality. You know, he said we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. Just because we serve Jesus, just because we are Christians, you know, we are believers, we're kingdom people. So the light of Jesus Christ will be evident in our bodies. In in um. You know, this chapter 23, I'm sorry, verse 23 of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, I think 11, 23 to 33. It's one of those places where Paul, you know, was so real. In 2 Corinthians 11, from verse 23 to 33, uh, Paul says, in, Paul begins to talk there. He says, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I've served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often. I've been whipped without numbers. I've faced death again and again. Uh, five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. 30, 
Three times I was beaten with rod. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers, from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews as well from the Gentiles. I've faced danger from the cities, in the desert, on the sea. I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but they are not. I've walked hard and long. And during many sleepless nights, I've been hungry and thirsty. I've often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then beside all this, I have the daily burdens of my concern for all the churches. So Paul was real. You know, say, guys, listen, this thing that we're talking about, this living in this world of being a Christian is not just, you know, it's not just, you know, uh, what what they call it's not a bed of roses. You know, anybody that teaches you that is not teaching you true Christianity. As many as will live for Christ will suffer persecution. That's what Paul says. You know, when you, when you choose to live for God, when you choose to live in purpose and just being human, just being human, not even talking about, you know, being a Christian, just being human, there are certain things that are going to happen. There are certain things that are going to happen because this world is, you know, this world that we live in right now is a fallen world that God is working upon to redeem. And we're going to see that shortly. God is working to redeem this world. So things are not perfect in this world. You will never get to a point where everybody is perfect. You will never get to a point in this world where all racism is totally eliminated until the kingdom is fully established. You will never get to a point where everybody that you look at is just loving and caring. Paul said, Lord, pray for us in 2 Thessalonians, I think chapter 3 and verse 2. He says, pray for us. Pray for us that the word of God may have a free course and that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people for not everyone is a believer. So Paul is saying that in this world right now, there are wicked people, there are evil people, there are people that will yield themselves to the devil. Evil is in this world. So don't expect that the world is just going to be perfect and everything is just going to go away like that. We need to, be, to learn how to respond appropriately when things don't go the way we, ought, we want it to go in the society, when things don't go the way we want it to go, you know, in, in, terms, of, you know, in terms of our lives or relations or in the nation and so on. We need to respond appropriately and we should never respond naively thinking that it's all going, everything's just going to be hunky-dory and all that. No, 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 no. It's going to be imperfect, but there are things we can do to fix, to, to get things better. There are things that we can do, first, first of all, to handle ourselves and to be able to, to change things that are happening in society. So that's the first we attitude. We share our frustrations. You know, we, we, we know that, you know, these things are there. We don't suppress them, and at the same time, we don't surrender to them. Number two, number two, Paul is teaching us, how do you respond to troubling times? We see our future. We see our future. You know, we set sight on our future. Paul was saying that, listen, all these troubles that I talked about and all these things that I've experienced, one of the things that helps me in handling these troubles, in handling these pressures, is that I have a perspective that goes beyond the now. I have a perspective that goes beyond what can be seen just physically. What can be seen just now. Paul says, I know that there are certain current realities. But you know what? I have a perspective that supersedes that. And that is so important. Let's see how Paul says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, from verse 17 to 18. Paul says, 
for our light or for our present troubles are small. And they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Then in verse 18 it says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things which we see now will soon be gone. But the things which we cannot see will last forever. Listen, I want to encourage somebody today. I want you to know that the state of this world right now is not permanent. You see, when God created this world, when he created this world at the beginning, he created it with the intention of it being a, a replica of his kingdom. A place where love exists. A place where justice exists. A, a place where people live lives without death, without sickness, without any of these things that we experience right now. But we know that somewhere along the line, because sin came into the world, this order of God was disrupted. And since that time, God has been working to restore things back to his original intention. So when the, when, the, when the kingdom was lost at the beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned against God and evil came into the world, and it continues, God created a remedy. And that remedy was that Jesus Christ will come. And when Jesus Christ will come, what he will do is that he will save men from their sins, the consequences of their sin. And then, most importantly, he will establish a new kingdom upon the earth, a new kingdom of people and a new kingdom upon the earth. So when Jesus Christ appeared, his message was the kingdom of God is at end. Repent. Change your thinking. Change your mind. Because the kingdom of God is at end. What he was saying was that a new order has come. A new order has arrived. But Jesus never said that that new order is fully expressed. He kept on teaching on how we can fully express it. And then we read from scriptures that there's going to come a time when that full order will be fully expressed. That right now we can experience a foretaste of it, a part of it. We can spread it. We can, we can, we can use it. We can see manifestations of it. We can pursue it. We can live for it. We can seek it first above all realities. But he says there's going to come a time when that kingdom will be fully established and God's original intention will be fulfilled and evil will be dealt with. So we are in an interim. We are in a transition period. We are in a period where the kingdom has come. The kingdom is here, but the kingdom is still coming. The kingdom is not fully, completely expressed. We are, in a, we are in a, at a point right now where love and justice can be fought for. Love and justice can be experienced, but it's not going to be fully experienced. It's not going to be fully experienced. That's just the reality. Because, they, like I said, there are evil people. There are all kinds of things, all, the, all kinds of reality. But we're supposed to fight for it. We're going to, supposed to stand for it. So Paul says, whenever I go through stuff, whenever I go through trouble, one of the things that I do, one of the things that comforts me, which is what I'm telling you to do, one of the we attitude that you need to adopt is the fact that, yeah, I know this is going on right now. But I know there's another reality that is called the kingdom. That reality is bigger. That reality is stronger. That reality is actually God's reality. I want to live in that reality. And I want to see that reality. I want to keep looking at that reality. I want to keep my face on that reality. I want to proclaim that reality. I want to express that reality. But at the same time, I want to, I want, I want to tell myself that what is happening right now is not permanent. There's coming a time when these unseen realities will be what will be the permanent experience of the world when Jesus Christ is fully manifested returned on the world and the kingdom of God, as the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our God. 
Paul says, I look, I look. If you go and read more of the context, he was talking about our own, our bodies. If it's been destroyed and all that, we have a, a house with God, a building not made with hand. He's saying that I'm looking at invisible things. I'm looking at invisible realities that are possible right now. I'm focusing on, on what God said. You know, when Jesus Christ, you know, was teaching us how to pray in what we call the Lord's Prayer. Remember what he said? He said, you know, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which tells us that God's will is not always done on the earth as it is in heaven. God's will is not always done. We have to petition the Father for that to be done. So whenever we see something that is not the will of God, we don't conclude that, oh yeah, that is God in operation, or that's the way it's, go it's supposed to be, or that's the way it's going to continue to be. What we do is that we petition the Father of our kingdom and say, this kingdom that you told us about, this kingdom of love, this kingdom of joy, this kingdom this kingdom, you know, of a beloved community of people, this kingdom that Martin Luther King Jr. was speaking about, this thing, Lord, we want to advance it on this earth, but we, we know, Lord, that you are working throughout everything, bringing everything to that conclusion, where your full intention for the earth is going to be fulfilled. So, Lord, we ask you at this time, strengthen us, we ask you at this time, let your kingdom come to bear upon every situation that takes place. So, we see our future. We see our future. So the first one, we share our frustration. We attitude. We see our future. Hallelujah. You know, I, I, you know I, when I was studying this, I just remembered, you know, you know, Job. I remember Job when he was going through all those troubles that he was going through and he couldn't understand it. Even though Job, you know, wavered between faith and, you know, wavered, you know, he was wavering between faith and all that, especially when people started talking to him and accusing him and all that. Job made a statement in Job chapter 9, verse 25, that really illustrates this thing about seeing our future. He said, but as for me, you know, verse, verse 20, verse 25, yeah, he said, but my life passes more swiftly than a runner. It flees away without a glimpse of happiness, verse uh, 20. No, no, that's not the correct passage. I think I, um, it says, but as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and I know that it will stand Upon the face of the earth at last, and my and after my body is decayed, yet my yet in my body I will see God, I will see Him myself, and I will see Him with my own eyes, with my own eyes. I am overwhelmed at this thought. So, so Job said, despite everything that is going on, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know there's another reality, and I know that I am going to see. That I'm going to experience that. So, I just want to tell everybody that one of the ways you can handle this time, apart from expressing your frustration, is know that we are in a transition period. Know that we we can do something about what is going on, but know that there is another reality that God has prepared for us, and there's another reality that is going to eventually take over the whole world. That's Job 19 verse 25. But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and it will stand upon the earth at last. Verse 26, uh, verse 26, verse 26, um, it says, And after my body has declared, yet in my body I will see God. I will see God. Somebody, wherever you are right now, say, I see God. And I will see God. I see the kingdom. And I will see the kingdom. I see God in every situation. I see God in my world right now. I choose to look at what God is doing. And I choose to look at what God has promised that is going to happen. I keep my hope in God. And I refuse to be caught, caught in by just what is happening right now that are temporary. And that are not in line with the perfect will of God. The next thing, number three. We attitude. Number three. We speak our faith. We speak our faith. So number one, we express, you know, we, 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 
uh, how do I say, we share our frustrations. Number two, we see our future. Number three, Paul says, we speak our faith. We speak our faith. Look at it. Second Corinthians chapter 5 from verse 13 to 14. So Paul says, in the midst of the troubles and all those things, these are the, these are the ways I respond, that we respond. He said, if it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. Sorry, it's 4 verse 13. Verse 4 verse 13, not 5 verse 13. 4 verse 13. He said, as we, and we, look at the NLT. He said, we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist said, when I believed in God, I spoke. Look at the NIV. The NIV says that we know that NIV, please. The NIV of verse 13. He said, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. So Paul was saying, in essence, he said, in the midst of the trouble, I continue to preach. I continue to speak my faith. He says, I, I, I have the spirit of faith. I love that thing. He said, we have the same spirit of faith. We also believe and therefore speak. So one of the we attitudes for dealing with troubling times is this thing called the spirit of faith. I want to talk about that for a moment. Paul says we have that same spirit of faith. We have that same spirit of faith that was written about. So we believe and therefore speak. So in the midst of troubling times, we speak our faith. So what exactly is the spirit of faith? Now, the first time the spirit of faith was mentioned in the Bible or referred to in the Bible was in the book of uh, Numbers chapter 14. And I want us to quickly look at Numbers chapter 14. I'll tell the story and then I will, I will, I will, I will show you, the, you know, some, I will like some passages there. So, Numbers chapter 14 is that place in the Bible where Moses sends out 12 spies to go and look at the promised land. So, they went and when they came back, they brought back fruit from the promised land and they told the people, they gathered all the, you know, the entire Israel, uh, Israel uh, the, the company of, you know, the people of Israel then, gathered them together and they were delivering their reports. So they all, they all came and they said, no, we saw the land. The land is beautiful. The land is great. You know, the fruit there is wonderful. The grapes there are great. People's mouths were watering. They were excited. Wow, we want to go into this land. But then suddenly... Ten of them, ten out of the twelve spies, they had a, a particular kind of spirit. So they said, they said, no, 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 no. Listen, you know, even though the land was good, there were there are also giants in the land. There are all these circumstances in there that you know we, we feel they are insurmountable. These giants are going to crush us. These giants are going to kill us. These giants, you know, we can't we can't survive them. We're not able to go and fight this battle. So they, they shared that with the, the people. And then suddenly the people were afraid. They were sad. But there were two of them that had a different kind of spirit. Joshua and Caleb. That spirit that they have is what is the spirit of faith. Joshua and Caleb said, stop, 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 stop. Listen, listen, even though we saw giants, even though we saw all these things, listen, we are well able to overcome this thing. Let's go. Let's go and take over this land. God is going to help us. God has spoken to us. But then the people listened to the 10 other spies rather than listen to Joshua and Caleb. And then the people started to complain. They wanted to stone Moses. They began to complain. You know, they got into a spirit of doubt, fear, complaining, and grumbling. And look at how God responded in verse 27. 
He said, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaint of these grumbling Israelites. Verse 28. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. But then God continues to talk about the fact that out, the only set of people that were going to be spared were just two people there. Uh, the two of them that had a different spirit, that had a different spirit of faith, which was Caleb and Joshua. The rest of the people of that generation of, you know, were, were all going to die in the wilderness because of what they spoke. So the Bible tells us, gives us an example in this place that even though, you know, we can, we can see troubling circumstances, um, terrible circumstances, we should never let those terrible circumstances get us to a point where we begin to speak against God, where we completely abandon our faith, where we completely abandon our faith in our speech and we just begin to talk based on the current realities alone. You know, I've had some people say, make some statement like, so, you know, my children are not safe. Why? Why would you say such a thing as a person of faith? Why would you say your children are not safe? Why do you say, I, I have two black, you know, two, you know, two black boys, two black sons, but I, I will not want to say over them and say, oh, no, my sons are not safe. No, I'll say, I'll say, yeah, there's a reality that I have to teach my sons about what is going on, and it shouldn't be, but I know. One thing I know is that God promised protection. God promised that he's going to watch over my children. Don't let this thing get you out of faith. Don't let it get you into the spirit of fear. Don't let it get you into that kind of a spirit. You know, even if you are a mother and all that, speak faith over your children. Speak faith over your children. While we are dealing with the situation that ought not to be, don't leave your children unprotected and uncovered. A lot of things happen to people who are not covered. We don't want to remove the covering that we have for, for our children or for people. We want to extend that covering. We want to cover more people. We want to pray for more people. We want to speak faith over more people in the midst of troubled time. God promised God also promised us protection. Now, this is not the first time, you know, that people have been targeted. In the book of Exodus, the Bible says all the sons were being targeted. They were being killed. But God protected Moses because of the faith of the mother and the father. In the days of Jesus Christ, boys were being targeted. They were being targeted. But God protected Jesus because of the sensitivity of Joseph, his father, to go to Egypt or to, you know, to respond to God's direction. So you need to know that even though things may be going on right now, it does not remove the fact of God's protection, of God's divine exemption. What we need to do is that we stay in faith while we fight the battle, while we do all that. I'm going to show you how we can do it from God's word. While we do that, you must stay in faith. You must make sure that your covering stays over your children, your covering stays over your brothers, your sisters, and your covering stays, extends even to people that are not related to you in, in prayer in releasing angels, in praying over, 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 uh, over people. Because there are many, the situations that we know about are the things that, you know, that we hear about in the news. We don't hear about the ones that God delivered people or the ones that almost happened that never happened because somebody was praying for them. So extend your covering. So I want to encourage you, please, you know, share your frustration. Feel free, you know, see the future and speak your faith. We speak our faith. We attitude number four. Not only do we speak our faith, we show our faith. We show our faith. We show our faith. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, Paul says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. We live by faith 
and not by sight. That word walk or live is talking about not, it's not just, you know, talking faith. It's talking about living faith, embodying faith, acting out faith. So not only do we speak our faith in troubling times, we actually act out our faith. We go beyond just speaking. We act it out. We take certain steps to act out our faith. You know, I'm going to explain what that means. But first of all, let me read the book of James. In James chapter 2, from verse 14 to 26, you know, David, uh, James was trying to explain to us the difference between faith that is active and faith that is not active. He says, what, is, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if they say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Listen, go back to that passage, please. Can that kind of faith save anyone? I just want to tell you that faith can save people. When we act on our faith, we can save people. The word save there, we can, people can be healed, people can be delivered, people can be protected. In other words, the tragedies that have, that have befallen us in our societies, in our societies so far, by acting in faith, we can actually save some. We can actually protect some. We may not be able to protect all, like I said, but we can actually save people. So faith can actually save people. Let's go on. Verse 14. Practice faith can actually save people. He says, suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. Well, then you don't give that person any good clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. If you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right by God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. His actions made his faith complete. And so, it happened just as the scripture says. Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. So you see, we're shown to be right with God by what, it, by what we do, not by faith alone. So listen, you know, we talked about Rahab the prostitute. It's another example. She was shown to be right with God by actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different way. She hid some people from danger and then she was shown to be right. Just as the body is dead without breath, so faith is dead without good works. So this is what I'm saying. In the midst of troubled times, we we don't just speak faith, we act faith. What is faith in action? Faith is actions. Faith in action are steps that you take while you are in the spirit of faith to make sure that the reality of God's word come into manifestation. And there are a whole lot of things that you know we can do at this time. I can't list every one of them. Yeah, one of the steps is if we need to step out, you know, sometimes we need to step out and declare this must not continue. 
You know, sometimes, but we need to do it peacefully. We need to come out and proclaim it. We need to get on social media. We need to do that. That's part of acting in faith to save people. Sometimes what you need to do is to have a conversation with your sons and your children, I mean, your, your daughters. Sometimes you need to just put some, you know, some, prote- I mean, some, um, what do you call it? Some boundaries, just different things that God will lead you to do. That's not living in fear. As long as you are in the spirit of faith, there are certain things that we got to do. So listen, there are some actions that we are supposed to take in response to troubling times. There are certain actions that we must take in response to troubling times. And that is part of living by faith and not just responding to what we can see. So Paul says we don't just respond to what we can see. We actually, res- we, we actually act by faith. We actually do things by faith. We take certain things, certain steps by faith, and we live consistently in that in response to what is going on. So I want to encourage everybody watching me right now, speak your faith and act your faith. Trust in God. Trust in God to protect. Trust in God to correct things. Trust in God to fix things. Take the steps that it leads you to take. Take the steps that it leads, you, it leads you to take. In your area of calling, in your place of purpose, there are things you can do to, 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 to make sure that the kingdom of God, the justice of God is established on the earth. Do it. And don't criticize anybody who doesn't do it the way you do it. Don't always tell people, why, why don't you do it this way? Because I do it this way. Because we have been given different assignments and people address these things differently. Just like we saw in the book of James that, you know, Rahab did it by hiding. Uh, Abraham did it by sacrificing. Other people did it in other ways too. So when you're acting out the spirit of faith, it doesn't have to be like other people are doing it. Don't criticize your white friend that why don't you do it this way? Or criticize your black friends or, or some people. No. Encourage people. Start right now. Let people listen to God and do what is what their conscience tells them to do. Let them do what the word of God, you know, speaking to them, tells them to do. Don't try to pigeonhole people and try to pull people to a spot, into a particular, in a particular, a particular box that this is the way they ought to react at this time. Sometimes people are called to speak out like that. Some people are called to demonstrate, to go out and do that. Sometimes some people are called to build systems quietly that will eventually transform the thing. Do you get what I'm saying? So please, please, let's walk by faith, but then let's, let's not become a hindrance to other people's faith. Number, uh, number four, and you know, I will, sorry, number five. I have two more after this. Number five. So part of the actions that we can do, we spread our faith. So Paul goes on to say, what we do is that we spread our faith. In the midst of the trouble, in the midst of what is going on, he said we spread our faith. Look at it. Um, in Second uh, in, in Corinthians chapter 5, from verse 18 to 21, it says, How this is from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us the task of reconciling people to himself. He goes on to say, God was, reconcil- God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no, not no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. And he has committed the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassador. That's where I'm going. We are therefore Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal to us. We speak for Christ. When we plead, come back to God. So listen. Listen, listen. What Paul is telling us here in this we attitude is that when 
these kind of things happen when trouble, when we go through troubled times or troubling times, restricting times and confusing times like this. One of the things, all the assignments and the responsibility, and responsibility is a responsibility. One of the responsibilities of believers, of people, you know, of all of us as believers, humanity, one of, one of our responsibilities is that we use this opportunity for reconciliation. We use this opportunity to bring people to God, to bring people together. We use this opportunity to reconcile people, to share our faith, to share our message, to tell people, listen, we may not understand what is going on. This is bad. This is evil. But we use it to talk about the kingdom of God, what God originally planned, God's protection for people, and what God is doing in the world, and what God is going to do in the world, what is coming. This is not an opportunity. Oh, this is not a time where you just abandon your faith and just uh, the next thing, you're just parroting what is being said by the news media. You're just parroting what is being said by people who are just angry and all that. No, this is the time for you to actually practice your faith and share it, to share your faith, to say, listen, I know there's confusion and I feel the pain. I do all that, but I want you to know that there's hope. I want you to know that, you know, God is working. I want you to know, you know, I, you know, I want you to know that the comfort of God is present. I want you to know that there's a plan of God and it's not always going to be like this. And I want you to know that Christ loves you. This is an opportunity to share your faith and to bring people to God and to bring people together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at what, the way Peter said it in, in the first Peter chapter 3 verse 8 to 17. Another book that was written to suffering Christians. You know, people who are going through tough times and experiencing trouble that they couldn't understand. In first Peter chapter 3, starting from verse 8, chapter 3 from verse 8, he says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as our brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted. Keep a humble attitude. Verse 9 said, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessings. Verse 10. For the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and see many days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace. Work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his eyes and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? Verse 14 is very important. But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Verse 15. Instead, this is where I'm going. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if somebody asks you about your hope as a believer, be always ready to explain it. In other words, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of all that, make sure that you are able to express your faith, to share your faith, and make sure that you respond appropriately. Number six, quickly, we attitude. We support our family. We support our family. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. We support our family. We attitude. We support our family. So now, one of the, one of the confusions that takes place, especially when... Um, an incident that, uh, like the one that took place this, uh, you know, this week in Minnesota, uh, this incident takes place is that people begin to confuse um, what the way the order of things is when it comes to his family 
and uh, the human family. Now, I'm a black person, and I'm a very proud black person. But as I've always said, not, I'm a black person naturally, but I'm a kingdom person supernaturally. My kingdom identity supersedes my black identity. Now, somebody might be watching me right now also who says I'm a white person. I'm a white person, first of all. But if you're a Christian, your kingdom identity goes beyond your whiteness. So at this time, we all need to understand the new creation. If you're a white person, you need to understand that at this time, this is the time to stand with, to stand with people, knowing that your family extends beyond just your natural heritage. To stand with people who are not like you. This is time for you to, you know, to do something. You know, maybe you share something with people in your circle. Maybe you, you, you talk about it, whatever God is leading you to do. But this is a time to stand. This is a time for solidarity. This is not a time for division. This is not a time to take our, to take our, uh, what, what do they call that? To take our, you know, to, everybody to get into their corners. And then we start talking against one another and doing all that. And also, if you're a black Christian, you need to understand also, never to put people into one box. Don't put people into one box. Just like you don't want to be put into one box. Don't put into one box and say, all oh, white people are just evil. Or all oh, police people are evil. They are good police people. And they are bad police people. They are great, awesome white people. And there's some terrible white people. There are some awesome black people. A lot of awesome black people. But there are some terrible black people. Just the reality. As somebody who grew up under military rule in Nigeria, where the oppressive, the oppressive power was a black person in military, it's a power issue. It's a sin issue. And that sin issue will always want to find its expression anywhere you find yourself in the world through the power structures of the society. In the United States, it expresses itself through racism, it has, you know, and racism is not gone. Racism is still there. People are still experiencing racism. In case you are watching and you feel it is gone, it is still there because the devil will always want to use this fault in society to carry out his agenda and he will come upon certain people and use them to act it out. But you need to realize that you don't put everybody into a box. You really need to understand who is my family, support my family. What do I mean by support my family? Look at the way Paul says it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, from verse 14 to 19, he said, he said, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our whole life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. We have stopped. It's a we attitude. We have stopped evaluating people just from a human point of view. Just by the colors of their skins. If you're a police officer, look and listen to me. Stop judging people by the colors of their skins. But by the content of their character, by who they are. Whoever you are, you have no right to be judging people from just a human point of view. He said, at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. However, how, but how differently we know in our verse 17, this is important. That means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. So what Paul is telling us here is that we need to lift our sight above all this. I'm from this place. I'm from that place. I'm black. I'm white. I'm this. You know, blue, blue lives, black lives, white lives, all this stuff. 
that we talk about, listen, I understand black lives matter, and we need to talk about it because black lives, black lives have been affected, black lives have been destroyed, so black lives does matter, but I want you to also if you're a black person, I want you also to know that all life does matter too, all life does matter all life does matter, that's the biblical position, all life matters, all life matters, we need to understand that listen, there's a human family and there's also a supernatural family. We have a human bond that we must respect. We live on the same planet. And we also have a spiritual, we have a spiritual bond. Especially if you're a believer. You're my brother. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. And I stand with you. I stand with you. And you should stand, you know, with your brother. Stand with your sister. That's what I mean by support your family at this time. Support your family. When Jesus Christ was asked the question, who is my neighbor? He didn't say your neighbor is somebody who is related to you. He didn't say your neighbor is somebody who lives close to you. He didn't say your neighbor is somebody that looks like you. In fact, he gave an example of a Samaritan, the good Samaritan, who helped somebody that was not like him. Somebody that was despised. He used race. He used all that. Thing. So in, in that parable of the good Samaritan, somebody fell down. And the robbers robbed him. Somebody went through pain. Somebody was shot by a police officer. Was shot by a police officer. And the neighbor was the one that went to help. At this time, being neighborly means that you go beyond your physical, your human point of view of looking at people and say, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is not right. This is not right. And you rise up, you know, based on that. Not judging based on politics, not judging based on, you know, based on any other thing, but just based on what is right and what is wrong. Know who your family is and support your family. Finally, my final point today in the we attitude. You know, before I say it, let me just say the first six points again, just as a reminder. How do we respond in troubling times like the ones that we're going through right now? Uh, the first thing is that we can share our frustrations. We share our frustrations. Number two is we speak. We see, we see our future. We make sure that we have a different perspective, knowing that it is not permanent. Number three is we speak our faith. Make sure that you don't get out of faith. You know, as you are responding to this situation, make sure you don't get out of faith. Keep the covering over your children. Keep the covering over the world. Be the light and be the salt. Number four, we show our faith. We act out. We do what we need to do. We fight when we need to fight. We do what we need to do. We spread horror. Number five, we spread our faith. We use this as an opportunity to share the kingdom value that we espouse. Number six, we support our family. We understand that there's a human family, there's a supernatural family. We don't look at people from a human point of view, but we look at them from a spiritual point of view. And my final point, very important, we select our fight. We select our fight. Now, you know you can fight, and you can be fighting the wrong fight. You can also fight and be fighting in the wrong arena. You know, so let's assume we were supposed to fight a boxing match and it was supposed to be in Las Vegas and you came to Chicago and you just pick somebody on the ring and start fighting. Number one, you fought in the wrong venue. Number two, you fought the wrong fight. Sometimes we fight the wrong fight. We fight the wrong fight. Let me show you that. So we, you know, how did Paul say it in the we attitude? Look at what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 3. It says, we are human. But we don't wage war as humans do. 
Please go to NLT. Go to NLT. Well, that's fine. That's fine. N N yeah, that's NLT. He said, we are human, but we don't wage wars as humans do. Humans. So, number one, the method of how we fight is different. The method is different. We select our fight. Number one, we choose the right method. The arena of our fight is also different. Look at it. It says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. So the how of how we fight is also different. To knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false argument, then what we are fighting against is also different. It says, we, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you have become fully obedient, we punish everyone who remains disobedient. So Paul is telling us that, listen, our fight, even though we are humans, we don't fight like humans. We don't just use physical weapons to fight and to get all these things done. No, no, no. He said, and then we fight in the right arena. We fight in the arena, an arena of thoughts, of systems, of you know, ways of thinking. That's what we fight. You know, because a lot of things that are in our society are systemic. They are systemic. They're not based on one individual. They are, they are systemic situations that we are facing right now. So what we do is we confront the system. We confront the system. We confront the system of thought. And part of the way you confront the system of thought is to get into the world, is to teach people, is to speak the truth, is to mold people, is to change society until that system of thought is eliminated. But sometimes we fight human beings. Look at what Paul says again in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 20. He said, a final word, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Ephesians 6, verse, verse 10, starting from verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on God's hammer so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Verse 14, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body, of, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on peace, peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all this, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, verse 18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And verse 19 says, pray even for preachers. Pray for leaders. Pray for that. Pray, pray so that, you know, God's mysterious plans can be explained. Listen, guys, this is where I want, you know, I want to stop today. In the we attitude. Be part of the solution, not the problem. Be part of the solution, not somebody who extends the problem. The real solution is when we begin to mold the mind of people. And that's why the church has a great place to play. You know, the way right now people say, oh, the church is this or the church is that. Sometimes the church is a very easy, uh, you know, victim to criticize. And we, there are a lot of things that you can criticize the church for. But I want you to know that even the church being imperfect, 
even business being in perfect, is actually the solution. The progress that have taken place in the world in terms of shifting things in the world. When it came to the way women are treated, when it came to the way into slavery, when it came to segregation, when it came to racism, a lot of them, most of them, they've been founded and brought up within the church. They've been inaugurated from the compassion of God that touched somebody who decided to go and change the system. So I want you to know that as believers, we fight with prayer. We fight with spiritual weapons. We fight with love. We fight with righteousness. We fight with justice. So fight the right war. Select your fight and don't fight the wrong way. This is the message that I have for you today about the we attitude. I hope it has blessed somebody. I hope it has lifted you up or given you something that you, know, you can meditate on and something that you can act upon. That in troubled times, you don't have you know, to be despondent to be in despair, there are certain ways that you can respond. And the Bible tells us how to respond. So I want to encourage you to adopt this we attitude. Adopt this we attitude in this situation and see what God is going to do through you. Because you, God can use you to make a difference. God can use you to change the lives of somebody at this time. God can use you to change the realities of the world towards his kingdom realities when you begin to live in this we attitude. Thank you, Father, for your word today. I thank you, Lord, for everybody who heard me and everybody who is hearing me. Thank you, Lord, because there's a, trans there's a transformation that is taking place, that is transfer of grace that is taking place right now in the precious name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to The Globe Podcast. We trust you were blessed and inspired. For more content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Keep glowing. See you next time.